So we have been discussing King David for 15 weeks now, and we've been discussing King David's leadership, the good and the bad and the ugly. And really, this has just turned into a series of David's life and how it pertains to us, what we can take from it in David's life. And so it's been quite a journey. You know, we saw him as a little shepherd boy, being a nobody, and, but God saw that nobody. So when we think we're a nobody, it doesn't mean we are because we belong to God. When you belong to God, you're a somebody. And so he took this nobody out of the field and raised him up. And the prophet Samuel came and anointed him the future king of Israel. We saw how Saul brought him into his kingdom, but then got really annoyed with David because David was doing great things. Because when the anointing of God is on you, you do great things. You do great things for the kingdom. Things happen. And so the anointing of God was on David. And, but the problem was is people were seeing it and they were liking him and King Saul was getting very jealous and came to the point where he knew that King David would take the throne. And so Saul, wanting his child, Jonathan, to have the kingdom and not David to have it, he sought out to kill King David. And so on a few occasions, um, he tried to kill King David and David went on the run. And he went on the run, but after David began to go on the run, Saul continued to pursue him to try to kill him. And so we've seen David on the run for quite some time now, and we've seen all sorts of different stories in his life of things that have taken place when he's been on the run. He's joined up with different nations and different things, and, and all sorts of stuff's gone on from, from him fighting wars and then being rejected from the people that he helped you know, win a war to romance, to him ending up with Abigail and seeing the power of a grace of a woman and how powerful that was and how David called for her after her husband died to be his wife not just because she was beautiful, but because he needed the grace in his camp. And how that is so true for us, that we need grace in our lives. We totally need grace in our lives. And so we also saw how David had the opportunity to kill Saul a couple times and didn't take the opportunity because he still felt that it was God still anointed in place and wouldn't do it. Saul trying to kill David, yet David wouldn't kill Saul. And last week, we looked at a very interesting moment where David had the opportunity to kill Saul again, and he didn't. And, he, and in, he went down and took his spear and his jug of water while he was sleeping and then called out to the camp of Israel and to his, actually to his military general, his first guy, and said, hey, Abner, why aren't you protecting your king? Here's the spear and here's the jug of water. And Saul saw the situation again, and he was like bewildered at the situation and once again said, David, you're repaying me good for evil, and yet I'm trying to repay you evil for good. But there was an interesting quote that David said when he was talking to Saul. He said, if the Lord is stirring you up to kill me, I'll bring an offering to the Lord. This thing will end. But if man is stirring it up, let them be accursed. Because while man is stirring this thing up, it'll never stop. And we saw that, that statement that he made, which is so cool for me, is that God is so merciful, yet man can be so not <laughs> merciful. And oftentimes when things are going bad, it's not God stirring us up. A lot of times it's not even the devil stirring us up. It's us stirring us up or people around us stirring us up. And so we spent the whole last week on gossip and talking about things and how we shouldn't talk about one another and how the Bible forbids it, forbids it. And the reason for it, we looked at all the scriptures, why? It said that, it can bring so much strife that it can bring war between nations. It said all the way from there, all the way down to it says that the whisper of gossip will separate the best 
of friends. Our negative seed towards somebody has the ability, the Bible says, to separate the best of friends. And so it's been really interesting. I've been on a real soul search myself lately on the last little while, just about the future of the ministry and how I want to see it and where I want to go. And, and just those are one of the things that God has brought back to me. It's just simple things like that. If, if, I, if I want to go forward into this future and I want to see what I want to see, a couple things have to be in place. And that is, number one, is we have to treat people well. We do. We are servants in the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the greatest servant. If we want to be the greatest in the kingdom, we need to be the greatest servant on the earth. That means, you know, we do ministry, we do work, we do business, not on what can I get from you, but our attitude should always be what can I do for you? To our customers, to our other people in our business, if we're getting mad at people and yelling at people in our business and, and different things, or if we're, um, or if we're um, um, treating people terribly and not giving them respect and ordering them around, it's opposite of the kingdom of God. Yes, there has to be a leader and someone has to make the decisions. But my attitude still has to be always, what can I do for you? And then secondly, I started to think, Lord, the future of this place and this team and where we're going, we got to get back to zero gossip. Because gossip, like we saw last week, it can separate the best of friends. One whisper can separate friends, can separate family, can do crazy, 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 crazy things. And we, we looked at the definition of gossip last week again, and it was simply, if you talk, to, if you talk negatively about someone to someone else, and that someone else doesn't have the ability to solve the problem, you're gossiping. And the Bible, when you start to look at what the Bible says about it and how forbidden it is, man, we are guilty a lot. If you talk to somebody negatively about somebody else, to the person that you're talking to can't solve the problem, it's gossip and it's forbidden in the scripture. So yeah, so I am purposeful in my life to be better at that. And even my team, ministry, business going forward, it's like I can't tell people how to act, but I can tell people what my business and my ministry is going to look like and see if they want to follow along with me or not. But that was a little rough last week, so I'm not going to be too rough today. Gossip is a hard one, man, because it's like constantly pointing the finger at you and our mouths and how we talk badly. And it's just really simple. The Bible says it really simply, and I'll do it in my terms, in my translation. The Bible tells us that we really need to learn how to shut our mouths. To shut our mouths. The Bible says in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. So if you're blah, 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 the Bible says in there is going to be sin. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. It says a fool vents his feelings, but a wise man doesn't. And most of the time that I vent, I regret. Amen? All right. I'm not going to keep you too long, but I want to get through a couple things here. King David, 15. So David's on the run, and all of a sudden we're in a piece of scripture out now where things start to change. And they're starting to change because things are about to evolve into the next chapter of what's going on. Saul is going to start to come down, and David is going to be started to be lifted up. But right before this takes place, odd stuff happens in the scripture. And that's my word for you and I today is like, just when, because crazy stuff is going on or things aren't going just like you want them to go, it doesn't mean that your breakthrough is not right around the corner. Oftentimes our breakthrough is right around the corner when crazy stuff is going on. Oftentimes the darkest hour is what? Before the dawn. Oftentimes we're in not great places when the suddenlies hit our lives and our breakthroughs come through. Why? And oftentimes the reason for it is, is because who wants the glory? God does. 
And there's so many times in my life where it's been like, whoa, I didn't have much to do with that. And God's like, yeah, you're right. And we get to praise him for his goodness in our lives. But odd stuff begins to go on. And I'm going to read a scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1. And it says this. So David's on the run. Saul's still looking for him. And David says in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. He's starting to get down. He's been on the run a long time. Has anybody, anybody ever been in that position where it's just like, man, I just can't take much more. Man, my emotions are starting to go. Everything's starting to go. Just can't take much more. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. So David's here and he's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die if I keep this up. Saul's going to catch me one of these days and he's going to kill me. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to have to escape out of this land and go to the Philistines. Does anybody remember where we started this story with King David and Goliath? David was at war with the Philistines. David took out Goliath, who was their number one Philistine. And now David's gotten to his point in his life where he's, he's on the run and he's like, man, it would be better to be with the Philistines then have to keep running from this dude, Saul, that's supposed to be my buddy, supposed to be my king. And now I just go to the Philistines. It would be better off being with the enemy for a while. At least Saul would leave me alone. And so David is at a point in his life where he's tired of running with Saul. And he comes to the conclusion that it might be better to hang out near the enemy than to hang out near Saul. And when I think of this, I just think about seasons in our life. Everyone goes through seasons. You can't avoid them. You can't. If you think that being a Christian, you're always going to be on the top of the hill, you're crazy. Now, you're always on the top of the hill in Christ. And you always are in the best position because you always have the ability to ask God about your problems. And God says that he will give it to us liberally. And it's always the best place to be as being a Christian because even when you're in a bad time, you still have God. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You know what he was saying? You're going to have lots of trouble, but now you're connected with God. And even in the midst of your trouble, God will walk you through the situation. And so David is at that place in his life. He's going into a season where he's just heading out of Dodge and he's just going to have to trust God in a dark place. He's tired of running. And my point this morning is, is sometimes we just have to make the best of where we're at in life. Sometimes we need to just make the best of where we're at. And as I thought about that, I thought about different characters in the Bible. Has any of you ever read the story of Joseph in the Bible? You probably went and saw maybe as a play about Joseph and his technicolored coat or whatever, but Joseph was a serious, serious example in the Bible. He was amazing. And he's so amazing is because his life looked like hell. And yet he was still just doing amazing things with a good attitude. His brothers sold him into slavery, shoved him down a pit and sold him into slavery. Didn't care about him. His own brothers. Man, you think you got family issues. My goodness, right? They sold him. They put him down a pit and sold him into slavery. And so Joseph ends up in slavery and he ends up in a place where someone picks him, buys him. But the place that he goes to is pretty good, really good. And so he's having a good time again. He's like, yeah, God's on my side. I was in a pit 
and I thought I was going to be sold into slavery and it was going to be bad, but all of a sudden it's good. Potiphar buys me and now I'm in a good house. I got good things going on and he's just serving the Lord again. He's smiling, he's serving the Lord and then all of a sudden Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with Joseph. I keep saying you guys ought to read your Bible. They're better than the movies you watch. Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with Joseph. But Joseph says, "Uh uh-uh, no way, I'm not touching you. My master's good to me. Nevertheless, I belong to God. I'm not going to sleep with you. And so she gets terribly offended by the situation. And one day Joseph is in the home and she grabs a hold of him and is like, you ain't saying no to me, baby. And she literally grabs him and literally tries to forcefully take Joseph. And Joseph runs away and she has his garment in his hand and literally the garment rips off in her hand. And so what does she do? Say, I'm so sorry that I did this? No. She runs to her husband Potiphar with the garment and says, Joseph tried to rape me. It's falsely accused. He's just serving God. He's like, he could have been like, man, God, I was just in a pit. And now I come out, things are good. Here we go again, round two. So Potiphar says, what? Puts Joseph in jail. Puts Joseph in jail in a strike of a word. He was a pretty powerful guy. Puts Joseph in jail. So what does Joseph do? I'm done with you, God. I've had enough of you. I'm now in jail. I was in a pit and I served you and I was serving Potiphar. I was serving his wife. I was doing good. And now you let this happen to me. I'm done with you, God. That's not what Joseph said. He just began to serve the people in the prison. Oh, well, God's got me here. I'm going to be blessed here. And he just began to serve people in the prison. And so the Bible says in the prison, all of a sudden the guard saw the anointing on him and how good things were going. And all of a sudden, even though he was in prison, everything turned in prison. And he was getting the favor in prison. That's such a lesson. When we're in bad times in our life, we're always complaining to God, but we should just be looking for favor in that moment. We should just be looking for God in the moment. It's so easy for us to see the terrible things that are going on rather than try to see God in the midst of those terrible things. Not that he created those terrible things, but he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. So when things are going bad, rather than complaining about the things that are going bad, let's look for God to get us out of the bad. It's all about perception. What are we looking at? Do we believe God? Are we looking for life or are we looking for death? And that can be the difference. How long are we going to wallow in our sorrows or are we actually going to look and that believe that God can get us out of this situation. And even if he doesn't get us out of this situation, I would be much better off serving God with joy, dying in this place than wallowing in my sorrows. So Joseph just starts serving. He gets favor in the prison. Next thing you know, through this crazy events, there's these dreams that happen. Anyways, I don't have time to go there. But anyways, through this series of events, Pharaoh finds out about Joseph, most powerful man in the world. The known world at that time finds out about Joseph, calls for Joseph, and brings him into his kingdom. And through a series of events, makes him the second most powerful man on the earth. And why did he get there? Because he was saying, God, I'm done with you. I'm going to serve other gods. No. Because he's saying, God, you're never done with me. I'm never done with you. God, I don't care what place you got me in. I'd rather die here serving you joyfully than to be denying you in a kingdom. And God raises him up, makes him the second most powerful man in the world, and he ends up saving Israel from a famine. Saving the forefathers from a famine. And so I just think everybody has these seasons, but what is your attitude in the season? I preached a sermon years ago that your your attitude determines your altitude. 
Your attitude determines your altitude. We're supposed to view things different. Why? Because we serve the God that looks over the parade. We serve a God that's not stuck in that moment with us. We serve a God who's much beyond that. Our Father who art in heaven, how holy, how separated are you? How magnificent, the great I am who stands outside of time, who hears me when I call. Even if I'm in the worst season of my life, he hears me when I call and I get to go through that season with him, either in comfort or in wisdom to get me out of the season. And so there are seasons in our life, we just got to be good about them. I think about Paul and Silas. Let's jump to the New Testament. Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. And for a long time, they were told not to preach the gospel. And so they get arrested, put into a dungeon. It's not just a dungeon. It says the innermost dungeon, which is like way in there. There was two of them, but it was probably like solitary confinement. Way in there. And you know what they did? God, I'm so tired of this. God, another one of these seasons. Man, I'm in jail again. Man, things are going bad again. Man, don't have money. Don't have rent. Don't have a relationship. What's going on? God, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. I'm mad. No, they didn't say that. The Bible tells us that they sang and spoke so loud that everybody in the prison heard them. You can imagine what those prisoners were thinking. You know what they're thinking? Those two are cuckoo. They're cuckoo. Only someone insane would be in the innermost prison singing and thanking God. Only crazy one would do that until an earthquake happened. Suddenly, the Bible says, an earthquake happened and the whole place came down and freed the whole place. And I wonder, would God have done that if they were going, God, I'm so tired of this mess. You know what? Following you is just causes too much pain. I don't think that earthquake would have happened. <laughs> but I'm not sure God would have picked those two if they'd have been like that anyways. But seasons. What season are you going through this morning? You going through a tough ride? I got to tell you, just move. Just move what you're looking at. Are you looking at the problem or are you looking at the problem solver? Are you looking at the pain or are you looking at the chain breaker? Which one are you looking at? And we all fall into those situations. Just don't fall into it any longer. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You looking at life or you looking at death? Because I know what God expects from us, but not only does he expect it from us, it's always a better outcome. Even if it's just, even if it's just an emotional outcome. Even if it's just satisfying the peace in our soul, it's always a better outcome. And so my thing is, sometimes we end up in these seasons when we're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I don't know why I have to be where I am. But it's our moment right there to decide, am I going to be angry at God or am I going to take this time to seek God? Am I going to be angry about God or am I going to take this time to seek God? Because God's move or his next move is not always obvious. And so a lot of times in these moments, we need to just Make the best of those seasons. So most of you know Kim in here. Kim came for a visit yesterday. And um, Kim is, if you don't know her, I think most of you do know her, but she has, you know, not too long ago, almost been given a death sentence by the doctor. And so cancer came back in her life, in her brain, different areas of her body. And so we just, <laughs> you know, 
we, as a, as a, all our friends and everyone just began to pray. I'm not going to talk too much about that side, about prayer and different things, but I want to tell you where she was. I went to visit her in the hospital one night, and she had just woken up from a coma, from brain swelling, didn't know if she was going to get back out of the hospital, and that was, I don't know, a couple months ago now, maybe. I'm not sure exactly when it was. But yesterday, she showed up with some really, really, really great news. And that, a matter of fact, she said that the person looking at her scan, the words that came out of their mouth was, this just doesn't happen. Or this doesn't just happen like this. And so almost every single area of her body, tumors are shrinking. Tumors are shrinking. They're not concerned about the brain swelling anymore. A matter of fact, she told me yesterday that the doctors are not even concerned about the tumors in her head anymore. That they're reversing. And God is good. And whether it's a miracle, whether it's God given a medicine for a miracle, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter to me. God wants us to fight for life in every avenue. It really doesn't matter to me how that happens. And I think sometimes we get too hung up on, we want it to be the miracle. You know, it's always a miracle. God's a healer. I always say it every time. Do you know how you, you, know how you know that God's a healer? Cut yourself. What happens? You begin to heal. In his very DNA, he is made. He has shown himself to be the healer. You know? So I believe no matter what way it's going to come, it's going to come. You know, and I think sometimes we need to be very careful about just wanting to be, or me the one that prayed, or I'm the one that laid hands on her. Be careful about that. You know? Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, even when I pray for someone, it's like, God's the one that stirred me up to pray. Right? And it's like, you don't know if somebody cross seas, God's telling to intercede for this person. God gets the glory. Anyways, that's that side of it. The other side, which is my point about today, she's just telling me about her journey. And when I first started to pray for her, I, Lord, I'm like, Lord, because I don't want to put God in a box. Lord, how, give me something to pray for her. I think I shared it with these guys, with everyone, that I just got this new sense of healing these days. And I walked out, and it was the beginning of spring, and all the trees were dead like two weeks earlier, and all of a sudden there was like leaves on all the, the trees. And I just felt like God was speaking to my heart, and I started to pray from that fashion, Lord, just like the trees that look dead bring forth life. Lord, bring forth life in her. Bring forth life in her. And that's been the word that I've, my prayer for her has been that. And it's been really wonderful how God's brought me into a new area of faith, a new area of healing. That, that's the best kind of healing anyways, from the inside out. Lord, just bring forth life, bring forth life, bring forth life. But that's not where I wanted to go. When I saw her in the hospital that night, as I was going there, I felt like the Lord pressing on my heart saying, in prayer tonight when we're at the hospital, no deal, no deal. And I knew what he meant by that. And when I got there, it happened before my face. And Kim was starting to pray, and she was saying, Lord, you get me off this bed, and I'm going to even be more powerful. I'm going to tell even more people. And I said to her, we're not praying like that tonight. God spoke to me on the way here. No deal. No deal. You're not getting off this bed so that you can, so that you can speak to people. I said to her, Lord spoke to my heart tonight and said, no deal. Why? You are already a witness for Christ. We need you on this earth, period. Don't be making any deals. She's one of the most wonderful witnesses I've ever met. And we got to be careful making deals with God. We start bringing it into our own world. Oh, if you get me off this bed. He got, he got us off the bed 2,000 years ago. 
And on the drive there, I felt like he'd said in my heart, no deal. And I should begin to pray. And she just laughed. I said, Kim, you already that witness. You're already better than most people I've ever met in my life on how you share Jesus. And so she was telling me yesterday that she's just been different in her walk this time and just watching God in the journey. And she said, and she calls it like a people with cancer would know that they have these chemopods of people. And she's like, every one of those people in there is talking about Jesus when I'm in there. And she's been telling me these stories of just God in the hospital. You know, when the conversations continue to the elevator and there's people in the elevator listening to them talk about Jesus and talking about her journey and how she's had some really, really, really dark days, but watching God like move in every one of these situations and that she's convinced in her heart that she's coming through the other side. She doesn't know God hasn't told her exactly the moment or when or how, but she's going through. But in that process, she's good in the prison. She's good in the pit. She's good while being sold into slavery. And it's such a testimony for us. Such a testimony. How are we in the dark times? How are we in the moments where it looks like we're in the pit? When it looks like we're in the jail? When health isn't going our way? Again, we've discussed it so much over the last several weeks, how God has been speaking to me that the result is so much less important than the journey. Why? Because we think that when we get the result, it's like Yahoo, but God can have a Yahoo every day in our journey by making us more like him, by making us better, by being a better servant. And at the end of the day, at least when I read my scriptures, I see the people that have a good attitude and are good servants along the way. Usually stuff turns out a little better too. But even if it doesn't, they get to go through heaven's gates with a Yahoo rather than a, I'm not talking to you, God. And I just, I just think that's so cool. And I just continue to pray for her. I'm sure as many as I know, she has tons of people praying for her. And, but what a great testimony to hear that those things were shrinking. But even a more testimony to me, you know what amazes me more than physical healing? It's people's attitude during this. That's more of a miracle to me. That's more of a testimony to me. I meet less people with good attitudes than I do seeing a miracle from God. And I want to be more like him. I want to be more like she was yesterday. I'm not saying people don't have their moments and their days. She does. But God, but God. I'm just going to stop right there. I had Molly, but that's a good spot to stop. Father, make us more like you. Make us more like your son, Jesus. Lord, why are we always looking at the negative and having to gossip and speak bad and say stupid things? God, give us a Joseph heart. Give us a Paul and Silas heart while we're in the prison. God, we have tough enough times with our mouths when things are going good. God, take us to a place where they're good even when things are going bad. May our mouths be filled with grace, seasoned with salt. In Jesus' name, amen. Any good? So good. All right, amen. Be blessed this week. Speak life.